This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many of you have fond memories of seeing children grow up? Uh, one thing is, if you remember first birthdays, you guys remember first birthday? Just watching kids enjoy ripping into things or sometimes not knowing what to do and just staring at presents. You're going, you just in a present, and they just stare at it. You're like, rip the paper off, and then you realize they've never done this. Uh, the child who runs into the cake and smashes their faces, and the other kid who maybe hasn't ever had cake and looks at it and does what? Absolutely nothing. Or screams, yeah, I've seen that as well. Just the scream, the, the, just the hurtling to scream of, what is this thing that is on my plate? I have no idea what it is. Uh, I've also seen children do odd things. Uh, my children are good at not recognizing stationary objects. Uh, chairs, sofa, walls. Uh, they're talking, and the next thing you know, they are hitting that wall, and they are just headed there. So go to Hebrews 2. We're going to talk about what it means to pay attention. So into the scriptures we go. Uh, and as we go there, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. So we jump kind of in. We're going to go back to chapter 1 as well to unpack a little. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 begins with these words. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So the image of kids and what they need to learn. But what about us? What is it that we think we know that we've just drifted from? We forgot. What's the sofa in our theological life that we're running into? What's the corner in our house that has never moved that we're always there? And if you bedpost people, you know the bedpost is there, but it gets your hip every time you go around that corner. You know it's there. So what is it for us in the scriptures? Well, that's what we're going to do over these coming weeks. This is actually going to take us through October and November. We're going to march our way through Hebrews. And watch as the writer of Hebrews helps us to take the Old Testament and realize why that's so important to us to understand what Jesus is up to. And along the way, what the writer of Hebrews is helping the people to see is who is Jesus? Not just a human being that walked, not just a human being that talked, but that Jesus helps us understand where he fits in the picture of angels, prophets. Why did he do what he did? Why did he not do other things? Should we still be listening to him? Do we still need to heed everything the prophet said? Do we have to follow all the ceremonial laws? Uh, what are we forgetting? Uh, are we holding out on something? All that actually comes out in this letter. Uh, and so we will journey there together. Now, all of this happens prior, kind of we want to set it in a time frame. It's going to happen prior to 70 AD. Now, most of you might not have a picture of what happens in 70 AD, but I'll, I'll give it to you. It's in 70 AD that the Temple of Jerusalem will fall. So that that system of sacrifices and others that become so pivotal to the people of Israel. Why they kept rebuilding the temple. Because in the temple, God's presence was found. So to lose the temple creates a whole other band of challenges and questions. But the writer of the letter of Hebrews writes in a way that tells you the temple's still there. And talking about how Jesus is greater than that temple. But realize it happens before 70 AD. Now turn back to Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 4. And I want you to understand as we go into chapter 2 how essential our footing is. This is how the writer begins. 
The letter starts with these very words. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the power of his word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. See, the writer of Hebrews frames that everything in this whole message is about Jesus. And that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. If you're thinking about God, you should think about Jesus. If you're thinking about creation, who was there? Jesus. If you're thinking about something happening well in the world, it's Jesus. You cannot separate them. The story of Jesus isn't just about Bethlehem. The story of Jesus begins in Genesis 1, verse 1, and it will end at the end of Revelation. It will end at his second coming. A Savior is coming. That's what the writer wants you to know. So why is it so difficult for us? Why is it that we hear about Jesus that we can get derailed in so many different ways? There's a lot of distractions in this world. How many of you have been distracted from normal things due to events happening in Washington over the last two weeks? You just thought you were distracted. I'm not asking for your opinion one way or the other, just that you found yourself looking at things that you weren't as worried about. Lots of things pull our attention away. So when you hear about Jesus, oh wow, Jesus is God in the flesh, this is great, and then, well, other life happens. I mean, Pastor, that sermon you gave, that one was seven days ago. This is a today one, so what do we do? Other things will grab our attention. So why is it so difficult for us to forget? I said my children have problems with inanimate objects. Sadly, I also have problems with inanimate objects. Not once, but two times Riding my bicycle in the neighborhood, I hit stationary objects. One was a parked sports car. And you're like, okay, well, maybe, because it's lower. It's convertible. Harder to see, right? Convertible. A little bit lower. Okay, well, if you're not going to give me that one, you definitely won't give me the RV that I hit. So if you wonder if I had a wandering mind in time. Hey, guys, what are we doing? Too tight. See, we get distracted. You'd think when you're biking, you'd be focusing on what you're looking at. Most of you are. Some of you know where Nathan gets it. <laughs> but it happens to us theologically. What I mean by that is you know what God said. You get that that's what it's supposed to be. But you saw something nice and you said, but it must be that. It's got to be different than everything I've ever heard because this thing looks really shiny. This is the thing that will get my attention. In our life of faith, we're so easily pulled from the central message of salvation that we get wrapped up in other things. Not that they aren't important, it's just they're not the central thing. We continue in Hebrews 2, so you can move back into chapter 2, where our reading was this morning. It says, for since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable. It's kind of an interesting way that the writer's talking about that the angels had spoken many times. Angels speak the advancing message of Christ's salvation, and it proved to be reliable. Why? Because we know Jesus is born. <coughs> That's already happened. We know Savior has come. We know that there has been death on the cross. We know there is resurrection. 
For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now, as you kind of hear that text flow over, you're like, yeah, there are lots of accounts of God's people saying this miraculous. Oh, there are accounts of the disciples coming back to a vibrancy of faith. The disciples that had fallen away, we see that. The miracles and wonders of Jesus while he was on earth, we get it. But boy, it's hard to remember that Thursday at 10 a.m. Boy, it's hard to remember that Monday night at 11.30 when you get the phone call that tells you the thing you didn't want to hear. The salvation story seems to be a little bit further away from you. Listening into verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How can you escape this world if the very salvation, the one that's offered to you, you run in the other way? And you didn't intend to run the other way. It's just you got distracted and you biked into an RV. It can happen. It's just you got distracted and you hit your neighbor's sports car. To my knowledge, I did not ding either. I did check. Maybe I have a softer head than some people say. But we must not drift away. But there's lots of stuff that pulls us away. My job, my car. Think about other things that pull you. We can't drift away from Jesus and Jesus giving his life for you, even though it's true insurance is very important. Yes, it's very true that what happens in Washington, D.C. can impact your life. Yes, it's very true that having affordable housing is very important to many people. But if it becomes more important than Jesus, you're missing it. And if you want to fight me on that, I'm ready for that fight. Because Jesus is so much more important than all the things that distract us. But with Jesus, I am informed to go back and address those very same things. Because Jesus wants affordable housing. Jesus wants people to have shelter. Jesus wants people to be cared for. Jesus wants to bring healing. Jesus wants to bring all things. But I have to bring Jesus with me into the conversation. <coughs> I, as a Christian, cannot have those conversations without Christ. Because he is at the center of everything that I am. I see the world through Christ. That's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. If you want to pay attention, pay first attention to Christ and him crucified. Then make the rest of your moves. Who is this Jesus? Jesus is the very person who has solidarity with humanity. Jesus chooses. Chooses. You may not choose God, but he chose to be with you. He chose to get into the boat. He chose to step into humanity. He actually decided to take up the mantle of the life you're living. <coughs> I have been with young people who have faced huge challenges in their life, of which I've said, I bet the challenge you've had, you would not wish your life on your worst enemy. And you know what they said to me? You're right. I do not want the abuse, the struggle, and the pain I felt from a neglectful father on anyone else. I said, not even your enemy? He goes, no. It's too bad. And Jesus steps in and takes all of that. That's Jesus. That's your advocate. But you've got to pay attention to Jesus. Because there's lots of stuff that will pull you from it. Yeah, but we have to have this conversation. We have to have that. Yes, let's have them, but let's have them with Jesus. Let's make sure Jesus is a part of that dialogue. Let's make sure we understand who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's know where that is. Verse 5. 
For it was not to the angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. This is the interesting term when we talk about paying attention. I don't know if you realize this. The world that's to come, it's an odd word we look at, that God subjected the world to come. How many of you love English? Right. Okay. Couple lovers of English. Or just language in general. English is fine, but you just like language. It was not to the angels God subjected the world to come. Meaning the subject of the world to come isn't angels. Life everlasting isn't for angels. Do you know who it's for? So listen to that verse again and realize what this means. For it was not to angels God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. This is what raises the question of why angels desire to appear and to find out why salvation for humans. I mean, come on, humans. Angels are great messengers, but all the time they're sending messages to humans who do what? Go the wrong direction, say the wrong thing. Don't listen. Have their eyes closed. Have their ears tapped. Whatever it is. And they sit there going, wow, this whole salvation era is for humanity. That's its subject. The life to come is for you and for me. It's a real different way. Look at verse 9. It's a different way of understanding God's always been thinking about you. Always. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than angels. Namely, Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for who? You tell me. For who? Yeah, for us. For everyone. Yeah, well, your church is only about a few people. Really? Have you heard our church say it's for a few people? Well, I just think it is, because that's what you act, you Christians. Well, the Jesus that we preach, the Jesus we teach, the Jesus we confess died for every man, woman, and child, including who? Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Our Lord spoke from the cross of those who are killing. Do we always live as Christians in a way that embodies what our Lord asks us to do? No. No, we don't. But the Christ that we teach, the Christ that we teach, that Christ that we pay attention to says this message is for everyone. The humiliation of Jesus Christ stepping into humanity is essential for us to know how Jesus works. I go back to Hebrews 1. So you just hear it again. That you start to see this that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. It's a fascinating image. In those last days, he has spoken to us. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Again, it opened in many and various ways. God has spoken to us through the prophets. But in these last days, he spoke to us. The prophets all pointed to Christ. And now that Christ spoke, I need to listen to who first? Christ. If someone said your childhood hero was coming to town, and now the childhood hero is before you, do you want to listen to the people who are still saying he's coming, he's coming? Or do you want to listen to the guy who's actually your childhood hero? Most of you would probably select the childhood hero. Listen to Christ and what he has to say. In these last days, he spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things heir of all things. Jesus doesn't have control over a few things. He's not a lesser God. He is equal. He has it all. You don't get to say, oh, well, he's not, he's not the creator. That's not what Hebrews has. If you want to make Jesus be less than God the Father or not present in creation or not there across all time, then you've got a huge stumbling block. It's called the book of Hebrews. 
There's a whole bunch of other blocks too. John 14, verse 6, I and the Father. When there's many we can point to. But the book of Hebrews is all about saying how Jesus is part of that Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Well, you know, Jesus comes about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you know, after the Old Testament, then Jesus comes on the scene. Not true! He's been there since the creation. But he takes on human flesh when he becomes incarnate. But he's been there from everlasting to everlasting. He is the radiance of the glory of God and an exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is fully human and fully God in exact imprint of his nature. Well, you know, he's a little bit different than God the Father, not according to Hebrews. Well, he's, he's not exactly, not according to Hebrews. The scriptures don't give you that option to make Jesus less. You don't get to choose the Jesus you want to believe in. If you follow the scriptures, it's very clear. Pay attention that Jesus is fully God. And if he is, then hearing what Jesus has to say is so essential to our lives. And he upholds the universe. That this Jesus, the one who some say, oh, he's a great teacher. I agree. But he also upholds the universe by the word of his power. Remember the disciples? Who is this teacher that even the wind and the waves obey? They're all struck by the power of Jesus and how quickly we get drawn away to other things. If you wanted to, to know that passage in Scripture that talks about the angels wanting to peer into things, it's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. 1 Peter 1, verse 12 is where it talks about the angels wishing to peer in to why human. It's kind of a neat little insert. Scripture doesn't give us all kind of the question marks, but it's a neat one. And Peter realized that the angels are going, wow, we get that this is what we do. We will gladly do what the Father has asked us to do, to be messengers of his gift of salvation to humans, but human. Because humans are the chief triumph of God's creative act. I hope you view yourself that way. I hope you know that you are a triumphal act of creation. Today you might feel like, that's not the case. My joint's not working. My sinuses are clogged. My head's filled with other things. I'm just not feeling it. I don't like singing. I wish I was somewhere else. Well, I want you to know God wants you nowhere else than right here in your house. God wants you nowhere else than with his people. God wants you nowhere else than understanding that he has created you from the very beginning and has a plan for you. And you are the crowning jewel of his creative efforts. And he would give even his son for you. He did that on the cross so you might have life in his name. But boy, those distractions. Man, they come all the time. Our reading from Genesis and then uh, reading into Mark 10 has this picture of, of marriage. And it lays out that we see discussions of divorce and others, but I just want to step in briefly to the text in Genesis 2 to talk about distraction. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. How many of you on a certain level, when you heard the word naked in church, snickered, internally or externally? Three honest people. 
I would suggest to you that most of you, when you hear the word naked and no shame, you've got images of what you're thinking. <gasps> Pastor about to talk about nakedness. Tread carefully. See, there's different things that have just distorted our image of what God intended things to be. I've never lived in a Genesis 2 world. I have. I have no idea what it is to hear the word naked and not experience shame. I don't. But I hear that God made it that way. And I know it's his intent to restore it that way. But think of how much this image is distorted before us. Because rather than letting God define the relationship of man and woman, rather than letting God define the relationship of how we interact with each other, we've let someone else take the front seat to that. So that now that they have the front seat, we can get like worried and nervous. And some of you are still hoping, don't bring up naked again. You've done good so far. Don't trip. I just want to make sure we get far enough that you realize this very image of what it is be a man and a woman is completely distorted because someone else is in the driver's seat other than God. We're not letting God be the one to get our attention. We let someone else get it. And the moment you do that, you fall into a trap. Verse 14 and 15, still moving forward back in Hebrews 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. So talking about us, those that he actually came into the world for. Since Therefore, the children share in flesh, but he himself likewise partook of the same thing. Jesus stepped into life, experienced what you have. Some of you are like, yeah, but he didn't live in 2018. Trust me, humanity has not changed as much as people want you to think. We still at our core are pretty much focused on me, myself, and I. And if you are starting to push that back, it has been a lifetime of work to do. It's been a lifetime of prayer and communication with God that you might decrease, that the Lord might increase. Most of us aren't born that way. Most of us are born asking for what? Mom, Dad, mine, give me, want more, have this. And the first time your child offered something to someone else or you watched the child, like, I, mean, I can tell you my own experience. I watched my kids like offer something to someone else and I was like, <laughs> sharing. That's amazing. It's because it's not natural. The natural tendency is, well, thank you. <laughs> and then we hold down that fist and we hold it tight. It takes us a lifetime to realize God has everything you need. You just need to let it go. Let go of what God's given you so he can actually give you, get ready, something else. I don't know if it'll be more or less, but I guarantee it'll be something else. Uh, I have met few people who say, boy, I'm just really idle and there's nothing for me to do. Or how about this? I've met few honest people who say there's nothing to do. I have met idle people. I'm assuming a couple of you with your chuckles, you've also met some of these idle people. Remember, we're the subject of the entire narrative of the scriptures. Not the angels, you and me. That's what it's all about. We pay attention to what God's up to. And as we close, listen to Hebrews 2, 16 and 17. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And I know that gets heavy fast, but it's technical, so you make sure you understand God became just like you. 
God could not be your substitute. He could not step in your place. He couldn't die for you unless he became just like you. No one can fill in your place unless they are you. Jesus became you in every way except no sin. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus knew temptation. Jesus knew struggle, but he didn't succumb to it. If in your life you're going, man, I can't believe the temptation I had this week. You're fine. Temptation isn't your issue. It's yielding to the temptation. Christ was tempted. And even if you succumb to the temptation, we lean on Christ's everlasting promise that he has gone there for us. Death is not our end. Your end and my end is salvation. It is life eternal in Christ's name. I want you to pay attention to three things this week. I want you to pay attention to the places God has been for you. Remember, he's been to the cross. He's been to the temptations with Satan. And he has been back to the right hand of the Father. I want you to pay attention to the places God is preparing for you. The family, the friends, the neighbors, the opportunities. And I want you, third, to pay attention to the place that God has prepared for you at this hour. God has things for you and for you to do this day. May he lead us by his spirit. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.